back to In the Queue. I'm your co-host, Phil. With me is my co-host via satellite, Andrew. He is up in New York City. I am down in North Carolina through the magic of the internet. skype light. We're Skyping. We're coming at you from our respective homes. And this is the podcast, In the Queue. Uh, we review movies. It's uh, In the Queue film conversations with Andrew and Phil. We really talk about movies. We talk about them. We don't. We don't really say, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down. We no. Those are those are patented. We can't. Say oh right, that. yeah. We would be sued if we did that. Or copyrighted. I'm sorry, not patented. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Although you know, I I Ebert patented a thumb mechanism before he passed away. <laughs> He's brilliant. His last brilliant act before he died. No, and we don't give star ratings to movies. We just sort of talk about the things that interest us. And if you're listening, it's yeah. probably because you like what we have to say. Or you're curious about it, at least. We hope so. And so you can go to our blog. It's www.in-the-q, letter Q, dot com. And it is there that we post all of our episodes. And there's also a discussion forum that's been kind of lively lately on the blog. Yep. We are also on lively by our standards. <laughs> well, don't denigrate the liveliness of our <laughs> blog. It's 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 doing stuff, right? Keep keep it up, listeners. Keep it up. Keep it That's up. right. Calvin, I'm talking to you. Keep it up. <laughs> Bring it. Yep. <laughs> and uh we also have uh a podcast on iTunes that you can subscribe to. Uh it is in the queue film conversations with Andrew and Phil and they will be delivered to your iTunes if you subscribe. And we also have a Facebook page. Uh, it's uh, in the queue. Q U E U E. Once again, the subtitle Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. You can listen to all of our shows there. And also, we post supplemental materials, YouTube videos, etc., to kind of keep it interesting. Yes, we do. So, with no further ado, we're going to talk about. Our film for today's episode, which is Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, this is a very famous, well-known film by Steven Spielberg. It is, and it should be said, first of all, that this is a request. Absolutely. From our blog. One of our blog readers slash listeners uh-huh. uh, to the podcast wrote in and asked us, specifically to speak about this film and if i'm going to pull up the uh actual request right here he had a couple of films he wanted us to oh he had a number of films that he wanted us to see he says gents loved the show this is in reference to our transcendence episode he says i'm trapped in the uk where film four the only movie channel is rotating the following six movies on which i would appreciate your opinion (laughs) bad teacher taxi goon Layer Cake, Your Highness, and Saving Private Ryan. And of course, the first one that we picked to go with is Saving Private Ryan, which is arguably the most critically lauded and beloved of all of those films. Right, it's like the one that you were sort of least wanting to watch again, or at least for me anyway. Uh, I mean, the, the, the least wanting to avoid... Oh. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that's the most oh, sorry. you probably want to watch again, except for maybe Layer Cake in there, but... Yeah. So uh, anyway, well, Saving Private Ryan, it's the story of the Normandy landings in World War II. Um, uh, it begins with uh, D-Day. Uh, a group of U.S. soldiers uh, go behind enemy lines, uh, their mission being 
to retrieve a paratrooper by the name of Private Ryan and bring him home to America because yes. his three brothers, who are all fighting in the war, were killed in combat and uh, by some sort of amazing, very specific generosity on the part of the army, they decided that they were going to send a sort of a, a group of eight soldiers to find Private Ryan and bring him home because his mom was going to be getting all of their death notices on the same day. Indeed. And it's um, the army being the compassionate bunch of gents that they are decided that they didn't want to let that happen. At least this is the world of Spielberg that we're talking about. So that's the general plot of the movie. It's a long film. It's um, kind of, it's pretty epic. It begins with um, a very kind of famous sequence uh, right now of a storming the beach at Normandy. The, the sequence is something about like 25, 30 minutes long. Before we get to that. Sure, go ahead. The film, the film begins with a garbage frame narrative. <laughs> the film begins with this just insufferably... I understand why it's there. I understand well, the gesture. Andrew, some people, people. some people may not have seen it, so tell, tell us a little bit about it. I mean, I've seen it. The so frame I... narrative is an old man is going to the graveyard at Normandy, which is, of course, one of the most beautiful and heartbreaking sights sort of in the world. Uh, just this beautiful graveyard, just crosses and stars and moons for people who who served. And uh, it's very... He's gone there, clearly, to pay his respects. Right. But he's brought along his entire obnoxious, horribly dressed family. And they each sort of represent a different sort of age group, too. Yeah, it's just, it's awful. Uh, there's actually a William Goldman essay that William Goldman, who's the famous screenwriter mm -hmm. who wrote uh, All the President's Men and uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and the Princess Bride, he wrote a, uh, a really great essay about this film where he refers to it as, I think he calls it something like the the scene with the girls with the boobs. <laughs> Because this, like, like one of the one of the girls is wearing this, like, this lavender, like, sweater that is just like skin tight, uh -huh. and these like colorful pants, and it's just like it's unbelievably strange and distracting for her to be in the scene at all, yeah. and everybody else in the scene as well. It it, sh it seems it's, like it's oh. almost like a it's supposed to be like in the eighties or something. I mean, that's no, I think I think it was meant to be contemporary. I think it was meant to be 1997, 98. Really? Yeah, that's. I think it was clearly supposed to. Yeah, people didn't dress like that in the 80s. Oh, you know, I, I was definitely. I actually, I got to say, I was. I'm sure we're going to disagree throughout this episode about the film, but well, yeah. um, I, I actually, I didn't pay attention to the daughter's boobs, and that's really out of character for me. And normally, I would, <laughs> I would notice that, but I got to say, at this beginning, I was, I was. My attention was was captured because because it starts off with this this old man who's walking ahead of his family and his family are like several you know maybe ten feet behind him and he's walking with purpose and we we're sort of seeing him I think we see his like feet first or something and Spielberg is kind of um, piecing together the uh, sort of like using what's the term the, sort of the deductive approach to to 
or the, in, right. the inductive approach rather to where you start small and then it revealed the larger scene. Um, but yeah, so I think that maybe also because I thought it was a little bit inappropriate to be staring at teenage girls' boobs at the beginning of a very solemn war film, Andrew. Yeah, but it's not, that's not even the point. And that, let me just say that that is William Goldman's observation. Well, I definitely want to read this. We'll post it on the Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, I'll find it and we'll post it. Um, but but I, it's just the fact that it, it's such a distracting scene for them. They, they, it's sort of this, it, it's a clear attempt on Spielberg's part to reach out not only to the veterans of the war right. and say we respect your uh, your service and what you did for us, but also to reach out to the people who are in the families of the veterans. And that family is represented in the most obnoxious way, just just like the most representative fashion and it mm. adds nothing to the story it doesn't help we return to it at the end and it doesn't help then either mm. it, it's it's completely it's it's akin to the frame narrative in titanic which is also garbage I'm not a big fan of frame narratives if you haven't noticed uh-huh. okay except in maybe citizen kane all right i'm um, picking up on like, that <laughs> and i i just think it's it's a bad way to start the film but after we get through that and to the normandy landing Yes, we get onto something entirely different, right? And that scene in particular is very, very lauded scene. Uh, it is incredible, incredible. and it's almost like it, at that point, it's not even a movie. It's just you're, it's just war. You're just in war. Uh, it's not about you know anything other than surviving, getting onto the beach, and getting to to a secure place. And at this time, this was this was probably the most realistic portrayal of war that had ever been put on film. I think, without a doubt. Without a doubt, and to this day, is more realistic than most of what's come after. Yeah, and 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 it's really something to be said for that. And I think that that was something that Spielberg picked up when he made Schindler's List. I remember Schindler's List coming out. You know, I was only thirteen at the time, mm-hmm. as were you, I'm assuming, um, since we're the same age. I was uh, uh, nineteen, actually. <laughs> what? Ah. <laughs> but uh, but Schindler's List, I remember distinctly realizing and hearing people talk about this as well but really watching the film and realizing that it was the first time that i you got the impression that people were actually dying on oh camp yeah the the deaths in schindler's list and the and the sort of brutality of the violence and the very matter-of-fact way in which they died and the kind of awkward way in which people die not the kind of uh you know play acted deaths right, that like, we typically see like stage-based theatrical you know death scenes yeah. Yeah, and 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 also not on the other the flip side of that, what we see more recently, which is really ostentatious deaths, like over the top, like we can do so much with computers kind of deaths, mm-hmm. which aren't interesting in in the same way and for the same reason. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think that we, you know, essentially your computer is doing the overacting instead of the actor doing the yeah. overacting. Generally, but Andrew and I really don't like stuff like that, like. Yeah. See, see our show about three hundred rise of an empire. <laughs> exactly, uh, but but this, uh, you know, in, in Schindler's List, he established that kind of aesthetic of very realistic portrayals of violence, and I think that he repeated that here, and for the same reasons to be respectful and truthful to the events that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. And and he he employed his uh, cameraman from Schindler's List. I believe that was the first time he started working with Janusz Kaminski, yeah. who is they they've become a great duo i think in my opinion of, of director cinematographer he's he's brought some oscars kaminsky's way for schindler's list for saving private ryan and um it, they just do a fantastically brilliant job of 
of creating these moments where they use uh, sort of a, a jittery shutter speed for the camera, which creates kind of a sort of a stuttering, visual stuttering. Strobe, strobe effect. And that, kind that of causes a lot of dirt and debris that flies into the air to, to kind of be seen more clearly. They desaturated the film uh, on yeah. purpose over 50%, and it has, a, a, I would just say, a beautiful washed-out appearance. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. They, they really do – and then, of course, they use handheld work to kind of suggest the handheld work and then uh, water on the lens – yeah, that's sort of the cinema verite kind of immediacy of, of, the, of the, the battle. That's correct. And then also Spielberg's longtime editor, Michael Kahn, up until up and up and through Saving Private Ryan, he edited all of Spielberg's movies on the traditional flatbed moviola editing yeah, desk. Yeah, yeah. And for people who do nonlinear editing, uh, it's almost like you're walking into a museum and seeing a dinosaur <laughs> skeleton. Yeah, and yeah. he was able to. That was the last film that Michael Kahn edited using that setup. Um, and there's something about the rhythm of winding the spool of film onto the metal that, you know, that's different from sitting on your computer and <laughs> daintily touching a keyboard to do doing your nonlinear editing. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's really an incredible achievement. Uh, the, the the battle sequences in the in this film are absolutely amazing, and I should say just a quick anecdote, and I'll, I will make this fast. But when this film came out, I was working in a movie theater. Uh, it was one of my first jobs that I ever had, and I, I was working in a movie theater, and I was the person who was responsible for making an announcement before the film. I would go down in front of the audience every screening, and we had this massive screen. It mm. was a beautiful, wonderful, huge screen, second biggest screen in St. Louis, only behind a drive-in theater at the time. Cool. And I would go down in front of the audience and I would make an announcement and tell people that if they wanted a refund, they were entitled to a refund if they would claim that refund within the first 25 to 30 minutes. Oh. But after that, they could not have a refund. And we had lots of people take us up on that. Wow. We had people who vomited in the film. We had people who were traumatized like yeah like, it's traumatic like, like old men old men who would come out and they would just stand in the hallway and they would just weep and like it was it was the effect that this film had on people Th those sequences the effect that those sequences had on people i saw firsthand and it was astonishing yeah absolutely astonishing well yeah because the film i mean i honestly cannot think of a more intensely realistic scene of that length in movie history. Yeah. I just can't think of it. Uh, but, as we both know, there's more to this film than just battle sequences. Oh, if and only there weren't. We, we, both, we both love, in a strange way, those battle sequences. But there's, oh, yeah. then there's the story of the film. And yeah. um, Andrew is visibly disturbed right now thinking about this film. And I got to say, I think my, my opinion of the film is different from his. But... Uh, there's definitely a, a measure of what's known as sort of the classic cornball Steven Spielberg, you know, pandering that goes on with some of his films. Never harder, never harder than in this film, except maybe in Amistad. Yeah. Well, that's that's another show. But I'll <laughs> tell you why, Andrew. The pandering to me isn't that bad to begin with. But what makes it tolerable, what makes it digestible for me is how fucking traumatic the rest of the movie is. And I don't uh, mind being in those gentle hands 
that are assuring me that there is goodness in the world and that there's a, there's, there's, it's possible to come out of this horrific experience and feel, you know, whole again. I do not feel that way. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think the pandering is too much. I think it's too saccharine. I think it's too implausible in between these battle sequences. You have all of these sequence, all of these scenes that truthfully, and this is something that I'm very thankful for, several years later, Band of Brothers did infinitely better. Mm, yeah, so those miniseries, Band, yeah. Band of Brothers, the HBO miniseries, is, does everything right that Saving Private Ryan did wrong. It understands the camaraderie. It doesn't feel the need to go out of the way to like bring levity to a situation that doesn't really require it. Yeah. Which, which you, keep, you keep having that happen in Saving Private Ryan. There's the whole sequence where... Uh, you first encounter the sniper. They're in this town, and there's a sniper in the bell tower of, of this church. And the, this this French family is handing over their daughter. The, the father hands over the daughter and says, oh, please take this our daughter away and, and protect her. Uh-huh. And Vin Diesel's character, like an idiot, wanders out into the street and gets shot. After he, and, after and he returns the daughter, though. Right? After he returns the daughter. But it's such blatant, like pandering on because it's filmed in such a way that we're we're supposed to be tense about whether the daughter you know we know something we know that there's people in the village we know that there's snipers we know that there's bad things and so at any moment something terrible could happen and it's going to happen to the daughter and we don't want to see it happen to the daughter and oh my god nah and then suddenly Caparzo shot and we're like ah mm-hmm. it's such terrible manipulation it's, it's like just it, in the in the worst way. Well, it was it was ineffective for you ineffective manipulation completely ineffective yeah. because it was so transparent mm-hmm. it, it didn't it didn't subtly manipulate you, right? Which, which is what films should do. Mm-hmm. It so overtly manipulates you. Same thing with the um, the the sequence where they they think they've found Private Ryan, but they didn't really find him. It was some other Private Ryan, and they deliver the bad news that all of his brothers are dead, but his brothers, these little kids back but home, it was, and it's it, supposed to be this hilarious sequence, no, it was, and it's not funny at all. I thought it was, it's not funny. It was an amusing scene. I thought. I thought it. It's not funny. No, oh, I mean, no. it's just. This is just where we disagree, but this is th- it, I I I look at that sequence and I'm like, oh yeah, hey Spielberg, guess what? You proved to us that you couldn't be funny with 1941. Stop trying. Hey, 1941 is underrated. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's garbage. Oh, God, we'll have to post 1941 and Banded Brothers, the whole miniseries, <laughs> on our Facebook page. Yeah, you could judge for yourself. No, but but don't you think there's such a thing as I mean. Saving Private Ryan, say what you will about it. I think it's a very uh, good example of pacing in a film where you sort of you, – you bring people up. When people get excited, they get you know disturbed and then you have some lulls. Then you bring them up again. And I feel like those moments where you know the, 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 um, the amusing scene, which there aren't really a lot of, and then other scenes that sort of don't center around a, a vicious battle – you know they're there because they're because they are manipulating us, and I feel like the manipulation works on on just the the most basic gut level of like sensory overload, sensory calm. But 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 believe me, I understand what you're saying about how the you feel like it's not working for you. I was able to get into a place where it did work for me just because I felt like I was in good hands with with the whole production. 
And that's fair, and I can understand that. I just I just asked for more out of it. For something that is essentially about a band of brothers, a band of eight people who are who really feel like brothers, I felt like they were remarkably disconnected and mm. didn't really care about each other. I didn't really care about them that much. Well, they seemed the only people that I cared about were usually the only time that I cared about somebody was when they were in at death's door uh-huh. when something terrible was happening. That was the time that I, I began to care. I, I mean, I think that when they stormed the machine gun nest and Giovanni Ribisi, who I love as an actor, mm-hmm. uh, Barry Pepper, I love as an actor. Like there's so many good people in this, uh, yeah. you know, Adam Goldberg, like they're all really, really great. Jeremy Davies is really good. Jeremy Davies, Vin Diesel, like everybody gives a great performance in this film. But, uh, the fact that I only care about them when they're dying, yeah. Well, you know what is a problem. Like when I'm watching Band of Brothers, I care about all those people all the way through. Okay, now, granted, fairness, it's ten yes, hours. Yes, yes. I know. I get but it. also, there's definitely a intentional, you know, congregation of of archetypes in this group of eight soldiers. There's definitely each, but each person is an archetype. There's the the sass mouth New York Jew. There's the Brooklyn guy. There's the the Southern you know religious guy. And I'm not saying that I, that that's you know not even necessary, but that's I see that's what they were going for. Yeah, and maybe that's just maybe it's a little bit too much nail on the head for me. Like it's a little too, a little everything's a little too cute for my taste in this in this film. I think it 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 simplif- it oversimplifies. Yeah, and and I think that that's where it actually fails. Um, so I'm I'm really of two minds about the film because I love, I mean, there's elements of this that I think are spectacular and unsurpassed. In quality. You mostly just mean the battle sequences? Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The battle sequences and the storming of the machine gun nest, which is a battle sequence in and of itself, but you don't really see it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I, I really like the fact that they sort of – it's just like a slow zoom on like Upham's face as we hear the battle going on and then you sort of get to deal with the aftermath of it, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. Where Giovanni Ribisi, the medic, is trying to tell them how to figure out whether he's going to die or not. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. What a – like beautiful sequence, but then that's immediately followed by this garbage sequence where Tom Sizemore and Ed Burns get into a big fight, and it's dumb. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. That I, mean, was... I don't know how else to put it. I feel like those scenes are so forced. He forces the emotion. That's my problem with this film. He forces the emotion down our throats instead of just letting us feel it. I I, I cried more and felt more emotional during those battle sequences. Mm-hmm. Than I do at any other point in the film, which is ostensibly the parts where it's supposed to be emotional. I hear you. Yeah. Did you feel that way about anything in Schindler's List, like like the girl in pink? Did you feel like no? I no. There, you felt like there was no none of the same sort of like um, simplification that none that occurred. None. Interesting. Yeah. I think I think Schindler's List is flawless. I, I think I think it's it 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 manipulates more subtly. Even though you could say that the girl in the red dress is like a a blatant manipulation. I think it's actually a more subtle manipulation because if you're watching it for the first time, you don't know what the purpose of that is until mm-hmm. you see the purpose of it. And it hits you so hard. Yeah. It hits you so hard when it happens. Once you've seen it. Yeah. You can stand back and say, ah, it's blatant manipulation, blah, 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 blah. But that first time viewing, you'll never be able to repeat that experience. And it hits you so hard. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think, Schindler's List kind of ushered in a new aesthetic in in Spielberg's oeuvre, where he he would go on to to get really dark, darker than ever before in Saving oh, yeah. Private Ryan, and then later on with the masterpiece Munich, which Andrew and I both really like a lot. Yeah. Um, but I think that if you if you look at Saving Private Ryan as a film, 
I got to admit, it's I think it's very captivating to watch. Um, it's yeah. very entertaining. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I didn't feel like it really added much to the the World War II story other than it's just overpowering technical mastery. I mean, technically, it's a it's a masterpiece. But but in terms of the story, the the events, like I, I didn't feel like it was saying much other than just war is hell during the battle scenes. Well, I think more than anything, and I think that this is where that frame narrative comes in that I hate so much. <laughs> I think that this film is a tribute. This film was made as a tribute to those men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Who, who fought the war. And I think that in that sense, I think it probably serves its purpose admirably. Um, even with the frame narrative. Maybe, maybe even because of the frame narrative, it helps to serve that purpose. Um, there, there actually is one good line in that sort of... Well, I don't know if it's a good line or not. But there's a line where he, the old man turns to his wife towards the end of the film and says, Tell me I'm a good man. Tell me that I've led a good life. Which is very Schindler's touch- List too. Very Schindler's List, but also very touching. You know, because it's 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 he he needs to know that he his life was not in vain. That these men who died for him mm-hmm. were not giving their lives for nothing. And that's there, there's something to be said for that. But I think that that speaks to basically what this film is about: is reassuring that generation that. No, it wasn't for nothing. What you did was a great thing. What you did was heroic. What you did did help humanity. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think that that's really the purpose of the film. So that's probably why you're not finding any addition to the uh, conversation about World War II. Although this film did kick off a huge, you know, probably 10-year uh, sort of World War II mania uh-huh. in, in the uh, public you know, consciousness in kind of the pop culture world. Yeah, but. I'm kind of I'm kind of egged on by something too, which I saw a YouTube video with Bob McKee, who's the screenwriting guru, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's a real kind of you know hard hard nosed guy, tough as nails guy, and uh, yeah. he insists that Spielberg is 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 a brilliant craftsman, but has nothing to say. Um, and I feel like this is an example of a you film. Could... I mean, because Spielberg doesn't write his films for one thing. But for another, no, no. for another thing, if you if you try to read a film, as I was trying to read Saving Private Ryan, there, I gotta say the the there's one moment in the whole movie that to me showed that there was some kind of a deeper, almost even feel ideological or philosophical message to be to be learned, and that's in the really short scene during the storming of the beach at the beginning, where one of the soldiers. His helmet is grazed by a bullet. He goes, ding! And there's a little, like, yep. scratch on his helmet. And then you hear somebody saying, lucky bastard. And he, he's so he's on such an adrenaline rush that he kind of foolishly takes off his helmet and looks at it. And then, boom, gets a bullet right in the head and then dies. Yep. And that, yeah. to me, was that to me was this moment where I was thinking, like, whoa, like, this is what... What are, what can be learned from this here? Like you know, this this is like an exact an example of action and consequences, and it's almost like it's like just when you're think you're out of the woods, you make one misstep, and then boom, your life is over. And there's other moments in the film too where there's these very close calls where people almost die or do die as a result of seemingly like a whim or a, a chance occurrence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually, that, that's another sort of thing that runs throughout Band of Brothers, too. There's actually sort of a running 
joke with one of the characters where he keeps getting blown up but not getting injured and they everybody's just kind of astonished by the kind of you know what the fates are handing down essentially it's really you know it's philosophical in that regard but i think you're right spielberg not a, a deep filmmaker i think the deepest that he probably ever gets is a movie like munich which is really mm. a meditation on like the depth of revenge and sort of like how far down the road does that take you know like yeah it's it's a never-ending cycle and he he was working with maybe his best screenwriter on that film too tony Kushner. yes absolutely absolutely um but i I think as a rule i don't think that he he delves as deeply into his films but he makes extraordinary films yeah he's i mean that it can't be said that he does as as mckee said he's a brilliant craftsman and he he truly is yeah so yeah that's uh that's our podcast on Saving Private Ryan. I am of two minds about the film. I, I, it's really one of the only films that I can say that I really, I am in awe of the film, and I just can't stand it at the same time. <laughs> I, I, I really think it's spectacular and horrible all at once. Wow. And and it, it really, it, I, I, I'll watch it a million times. I'll watch it over and over again. But I will cringe through those, <laughs> those sequences that I, I really don't like. Yeah, that's one thing about the movie too. Is I, I almost. I immediately want to watch it again just to sort of yeah to to absorb the world that they created because it's 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 amazingly detailed and and kind of intoxicating at the same time as being very bloody and uh graphically violent yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah that brings us to the end uh join us in our next podcast when we talk about the new film by John Turturro Fading Gigolo couldn't be more different than Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> Although, in so many ways. In so many ways. Perhaps a better term would be Saving Ryan's Privates. Uh, 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 uh. With John Turturro. <laughs> as Ryan. <Yep. laughs> so please, uh, please tune in for that episode, uh, which will be coming on later in the week. And we will see you around next time. See you later.